been a few eventful months in China since the Communist Party's week-long Congress back in October last year, with an unprecedented third term for President Xi Jinping in place. Uh, there were widespread protests around the country's zero-COVID policy, dissatisfaction about a slowing economy, and a property sector in turmoil. Now, as China reopens, the world is watching. To what degree will 2023 be a turnaround year for China and the world? Welcome to IG's Trade in the Markets podcast. I'm Jeremy Naylor. We're talking today to Dr. Xiaolin Chen, head of international at Crane Shares. China-focused products are available on IG's platform. Uh, we'll touch more on this later on in the podcast. Xiaolin, welcome. It's a pleasure to catch up with you once again for IG's podcast. Good morning, Jeremy. I want to begin, first of all, with a look back at 2022, because as uh, we were talking uh, back in November, weren't we, uh, about the China People Congress and, and what happened out of that, what, in your mind, how did China end up 2022 and what are the prospects for this year? Thank you for having me, Jeremy. I think 2022 for China is like a feels like a roller coaster ride uh, for the whole year. The China equity market definitely had a very eventful year in 2023. But the good news is China now has landed on their feet and back on track uh, for open for business. That's the good news. I think when we first uh, when we last catch up in October, it was just the new leadership was put in place. Since then, over the last two, next two months before the year ends in 2022, China has delivered, announced and confirmed, implemented many key uh, you know, policies uh, that touch uh, many aspects in COVID uh, control policies, real estate markets, and also delivered a very clear uh, government's agenda or government's policies for the next year. All of that in uh, combination has really restored a lot of the investors' confidence and make uh, you know the marketing investors have more clarity on what to focus and where to focus for 2023. As a result, you see a uh, you know you see a ready and recovery in performance for China's equity markets. In fact, to a good surprise. Uh, China equity markets, for instance, the sector that gets most uh, impacted because of the council, you, you know, regulation uh, introduction and the policies we mentioned earlier on that has a huge performance corrections in 2022. In the end uh, of the year to date return last year of 2022, that sector of China internet sector has actually outperformed a lot of major indices uh, by a, a very long way. Uh, internet sector itself compared to, for instance, China, U.S. Nasdaq, it has performed Nasdaq by 16.1%. It again shows to me, Jeremy, is China as a Nasdaq class, yes, it has its volatility. It also has its very unique benefits of owning in clients' portfolio as a diversification to, to the rest of the asset classes in their portfolios. And this is Ria confirmed our view is China is a strategic asset class, not a tactical one. Uh, trying to own them, get in and get out at a different time and try to be tactical might not be the way uh, to allocate in China's equity. Strategic allocation, at least to certain size in your portfolio, is actually needed and beneficial for long-term holding for those investors investing in China. I want to take a look in some more detail at the investment potential in just a moment for 2023 uh, with regard to China. But I want to um, ask the question about COVID first of all. What was it that changed the Communist Party's attitude to the zero COVID policy? What drove that decision? I think a couple of reasons. Number one is the elderly are getting to certain level of vaccination rate, number one. Number two, also different choices of vaccination become available in China. 
Thirdly, also is at a stage that the Chinese policymakers, scientific groups, and you know different peoples involved in the medication side of assessing the situation have learned from all of us in the developed world or the rest of the world how serious how they can deal with the situation also they have win some time in preparing themselves and in that all conjunction together the new leadership get put in place now they're evaluating how uh, economically this situation of a strict policy that they implemented in the country has impacted the growth overall uh, that's led them to a conclude decision i believe the guy who in charge of COVID policy called Wang Huning. He consulted with local government, central government and medicals and third parties all together. Then they started to make a relaxation in November. Then uh, later uh, the, the month, they made a very clear announcement of how simplified measures should be implemented across country, no miscommunication, uh, no misunderstanding. Then on the 26th of December, for those of you who live in the UK, that's called a Boxing Day. On that day, self China uh, completely removed uh, COVID control policies altogether. Uh, so I think that, that is really now is probably a timing now for China to say uh, we are probably could be ready to um, face this challenge as sooner or later. We will have to then they have decided to move forward with uh, uh, relaxation and open up the country. What about uh, the supply chain disruptions that we've seen uh, brought about in part or mostly, I guess, because of COVID? Do you see these repairing anytime soon? What, what's the word in China about this? The supply chain disruption was caused by the shortage of labor force uh, and other things. In my opinion, uh, it would be a short term uh, volatility uh, for very simple reasons is the near term. You know, the, the re full reopening is putting a test on China's medical systems. Also, uh, that um, is a huge test for people now get, um, you know, have to face the inf infection cases is surging uh, on the back. The good news is now a lot of the scientists saying uh, the waves and infection, you know, runs in cities is you know, approaching its end, at least the second and third waves is approaching their end. Many Chinese people I still know, my relatives lived in China. Uh, I stay very close contact with them. They, you know, some of them, or most of them get infected. The, you know, the good news is none of them are at any critical situation. They all recovered. Uh, they are now looking forward to go back to work and all some of them are recovering. Um, so I think, you know, um, at the end of the day, you will have a shortage uh, in uh, in labor for January for sure. Uh, that's temporary time off, in my opinion, Jeremy, in January is not um, going to have dramatic impact to uh, the productivity as January traditionally tend to be heavy loaded with national holidays. I think 32 percent, which is nine days nine full days of national holidays falls in January. That's either the New Year and Chinese New Year uh, holidays there. So the productivity in China tend to be low in January anyhow. Uh, so longer term, we got to watch very closely to see how this Chinese New Year going home uh, would change the, uh, you know, the situation again. Will this settles everything? And then most importantly is how the spring comes. Uh, in Chinese culture, once the Chinese New Year finishes, traditionally is a lunar spring comes and then how that uh, will uh, see how labor force return to the market. But I do think this is a 
short-term impact to, to the market. What about the labor force in, in China? The young especially, how um, able is the uh, government to get these people back to work and to get them working again and contribute uh, to the economy and the opening of the economy? Because uh, this has been an area of, of, of concern, hasn't it? It is indeed. Inflation is not less of a concern. The level is at really relatively lower level, but employment rates is a more of a concern. Uh, Chinese government as a policymaker for most important on their agenda is to find jobs uh, for people. The young people, as you rightly point out, at the age of 16 to 24, are at a higher unemployment rate. And those are the people traditionally are looking for, um, you know, if you are 16 to 24, you should be at university doing your undergraduate graduates or your master or higher. If you're not, you're looking for a job. Typically, you are still, you know, at a bit of a lower value chain of finding a job. So where can we find those shops? A couple of places. I think one holding the key is the Chinese government's uh, policymakers themselves. Give you one example is very uh, easily the local government still holding uh, about $500 billion altogether that they meant to roll out uh, on green infrastructure. They haven't done that. For probably for a reason, half of the China cities in China are still under frozen level. Is winter time. When spring comes, if they can roll out those money, they can deploy those physical spending that can easily create some jobs. The other things you can get a slightly higher on the value chain, but still easily created jobs are the internet or the platform companies that the policymakers are calling them. In December, when the uh, first time this new leadership in China met each other at this central uh, you know, economic working group, this is the group that they would make policies for China to deliver a chief in 2023. They made it very clear they want the platform company, i.e. the internet company, to be at front and center in creating jobs. They can easily create a lot of jobs, um, you know, in logistics, in accommodate small merchants on Alibaba's platforms, um, you know, in hiring more uh, delivery guys in, uh, you know, JAD and Pinduoduo platforms that are very easily to be accommodated. They will provide some uh, policies for those employers to create jobs for them. So uh, it will be remain watch, uh, you know, on, on our watch list for the coming month to see how that can be um, managed. But I think that's it um, at the top priority of the uh, Chinese policymaker in China. And what about the property markets? This is another area where there's a general overall concern about uh, what's happening. The the slump in housing has continued. And in fact, there's a report on Bloomberg as we speak to say that the COVID outbreaks continue to delay any recovery. What hope is there in the property market in China? Overall, property market is not out of the woods yet. If you ask me, you got two different distinct paths for real estate market. One is on the uh, supplier side or supply side. The other side is the demand side. On the supply side, uh, the developers and all those things, uh, all those companies has gone through a series of consolidation. Has that been uh, behind ours? No, but is the cushion been put or the floor been put to help uh, the good developers uh, come back on business? Yes. So the supply side is a little mix. Um, the government has announced money to help the developers if you need to start a new project because of the high very high spread in the credit market. A lot of the good developers couldn't get enough funding to start projects. Uh, now the government has provided the funding through a mini central bank called the Central Development Bank in China. Uh, they could provide fundings to those developers. They can come and uh, apply for it. So the funding issue can be dealt with to help the supply side. 
the demand side need to be uh, picked up. Uh, as you said, uh, COVID relax just happened. People can now expect to go back to work soon. Uh, and it's Chinese New Year uh, coming. And if you know now the floor being put in place, the price of the properties probably will be stabilizing from here. But no one would jump in straight away to buy. They want to watch this market to stabilize for a period of time before they start buying. So the demand side, you also have favorite policies to say if you're buying first time, your mortgage risk is lower. You can pull, put down a lower first payments, et cetera, et cetera. But the demand side is still not see dramatic pickup, which is understandable. It's a winter time still, and the market just gone through a series of consolidation. Will the market go back to like a decade ago, a stellar returning market? No, uh, it will gone through quite a bit of a consolidation, which they have. The average of a 70 cities, uh, you know, property market price in China still shows is, uh, you know, it's falling, but it's stabilizing at the current stages. You need to see a bit more stabilizing before the buyers will come in. Actually, the real estate market consolidation would actually encourage the Chinese households to look for alternative financial assets to invest in their portfolios going forward. So the real estate as a 60% of a Chinese household financial assets, that percentage will come down. Uh, and in return, the uh, equity market, the bond market, uh, so on and so forth, will increase their proportions in the Chinese households' uh, financial assets. Let's pick up on that point then and talk a little bit more now about the investment opportunities as into how you see things at Crane Shares. I want to talk a little bit about uh, what's on offer at Crane Shares. As I said the Crane Shares offering is on the IG platform. How do you see the investment environment uh, developing this year? You did you did reference the difference between the strategic and the tactical, um, but in terms of the overall spread this year, we've already got off to a good start because markets price in future activity. Uh, but is there much more upside to go? Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, I'd say Chinese equities this year in 2023 is very different from 2022. 2022 is a consolidation and stabilizing and about to set to take off year in 2022. So 2022 has, you know, now is behind ours. If you look at 2023 in China's equity market, it's about of, uh, probably three things. Number one is to differentiate what to own and where to own and how to own it. Uh, 2023, the policies has made its very clear clarity is we're going to stay accommodative to growth and to consumption for the internet company to recover. In those instances, Jeremy, I'd say, China is now about to take off, particularly the sectors will play favorable to the policy, number one. Number two, has been overly sold uh, as a result of the consolidation in the previous years. And third, has been consistently producing strong revenues uh, for the underlying company, but not reflected in the stock performance. That led us to a couple of you know sectors. Number one is the consumption internet sector, which is the KWEB KWEB fund uh, at Crenshaw's offers. That's a new China. That's a trend of China's modernization. Uh, that fund has overly you know gets uh, reflected as the internet regulation consolidation, so on and so forth. That's all behind us. That is the fund who outperformed US, but has a huge leeway. If you look at the underlying company in that fund, has produced billions of dollars revenue quarter over quarter, and the performance hugely disconnected. If you look at the current PE, it's still at three standard deviations below its mean of 10 years history. So that offers checkbox of the policy, fundamental and strong earnings, all, all of that. 
The other sectors, I'd say, Jeremy, you got to watch out for China is as probably a satellite. So internet um, consumption would be as a core allocation. Satellite and opportunistic allocations would be the directions and policies that China aim to achieve, namely in the green space, uh, you know, green investing and the healthier space. Uh, and also the technologies or the uh, innovation space. So, for instance, KARS, CARS, that's a global carbon initiative with China allocation and the rest of the world in that fund that's playing an entire ecosystem in the future mobility and electrical vehicles sector. And the healthcare and healthier side. I think after going through this series of a pandemic and all these situations, Chinese people is paying extra, extra attention to their healthcare system, to their services they can be experiencing going forward. They're going to put a lot more spending and emphasize in their lifestyle to be more healthier. K-U-R-E, Cure, is a Chinese healthcare play that is playing the entire ecosystem in the healthcare system. I think those are the trends of playing Chinese people return to become more wealthy and spending, that's KVAP, and grain, uh, of course, and healthcare of KURE uh, to be healthier. So those are the trends you should consider core and satellite allocation. What's the uh, government's agenda behind all this? In other words, supporting this uh, to put these opportunities onto the global stage. Um, geopolitics, there is a real problem with geopolitics. Interesting article on the Financial Times this morning talking about um, that geopolitics now seems to be the biggest stumbling block, the biggest headwind, the biggest problem that we've got to try and solve. And engagement across border is so important. And China does have, I think, from an international point of view, uh, it, it's going to have to up its game in order to start to engage with regions around the world, which have been at odds with China policy, especially on COVID, amongst other things. How do you see the government agenda adapting to try and uh, promote China on the international stage? I think the fact Xi Jinping went out last year to G20 and they met each other at Palais with U.S. and all these global or Asia leaderships and the fact Europeans uh, leaders are, you know, visit China and France leaders and Germany leaders. And now, you know, everyone is trying to get back to the talk, the discussion and trade relationship with China is very important. As West versa returning, what is China's government's policies agenda is growing the uh, economy is back on track. I think Xi Jinping said it at his CCP work report and subsequently the December two economic working group also made the statements that growth is the top priority for China. Uh, now is that is set very clearly what is the focus for the government's agenda. Externally, that's challenge and avoidably geopolitical actually raise lower on my list uh, for a very simple reasons. China and US finally, finally, they have met each other at G20. They talked for three hours and Biden and she has the closed door discussion and concrete follow up, uh, you know, uh, for the next step. You know, uh, the state of secretaries in the U.S. is coming to U.S. visiting. Janet Yellen is coming to visit China. They're going to talk most importantly for the number one, number two economy in the world to be constructively sit down at the table and talk and solve the problem. That's the most important other geopolitical issues, as China showed very clearly, they have no interest to, you know, get involved in those discussions. Uh, and then even with Taiwan, they want to be 
pursue the most peaceful way anyhow. They want to return to the talk about trading and working with each other. China's own agenda has been very clear, growing the economy. Uh, externally, there's going to be challenge. IMF already said this year, most of the one third of the country in the world going to face more challenging situation than they were facing in 2022. But China is on the contrary. Number one, the policy, they can be very accommodative. Number two, they have still have plenty monetary tool available, physical spending, uh, cutting interest rates. They are the only central bank in the world to they relaxing and you know easing then the rest of the world are tightening policy stay accommodative physical monetary policy can stay accommodative growth back to on top of the government's agenda i think this is a market to own um to diversify your risks in 2023 talking about risks where are the risks to in investing in china what should we be aware of as lurking in the shadows that could come out at, uh, at short notice Policy, though you get more clarity, number one, so that's on watch, but slightly uh, very, very lighter amber color. I say more on the green color now uh, on my watch list. Second is employment. Employment is very important. That's as a result directly impacted with where is the money going to be. You have told me policy going to stay accommodative. Me, as a person who watch China on day in and day out, is where is the physical spending uh, going to be allocated and when that will be starting. So that's employment and physical all in one bucket. Uh, third, I would watch very closely is NPC, that's National People's Congress, will happen on 3rd of March for two reasons. One is what is the confirmed of growth target for China in 2023, number, number one. Number two in that NPC would be the new leadership. We have now got confirmation of who would be the new foreign minister in China. That is the current or the ex-US China ambassador. Qing Gang will become the new foreign minister, number one. And number two is we got to confirm who will be the premier. Markets highly expecting Li Qiang would be the guy. Uh, so we want to know the leadership and what is their uh, set agenda. Okay. All right. Look, we'll leave it there. But uh, thank you so much indeed for joining us with the investment outlook for China for 2023. And a happy new year to you. Thank you, Jeremy. Dr. Jiaolin Chen is head of international at CraneShares.